0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian.
1: Hey, what's up?
0: We are here for episode 94,
1: Cons! To be fair, I had a better episode title last night, but for some reason I did the thing where you, oh my gosh, this is amazing! <laughs> Went to sleep, completely forget in the morning.
0: <laughs> Everyone's done that at least once.
1: Oh yeah, guilty.
0: Guilty. Uh, But we are going to talk about uh, Constantark here, one of our favorite draft formats, because it's coming back to Magic Online on August 29th and is sticking around until September 5th, which is PAX West weekend, which I (laughs) Ian.
1: (laughs) Why?
0: (laughs) But then after that, we get Legacy Cube for like a month, so it'll be fine. Um,
1: But I'll be actually playing actual Legacy then, though, because I have like an SCG, I guess SCG Baltimore again. It's weird. Nice. Because this weekend is SCG Baltimore modern and then i think like middle of uh september it's scg baltimore legacy interesting yeah
0: fun fun fun
1: yeah they they double tapped <laughs> on baltimore hey i don't care it's um, like an hour and a half away
0: <laughs> yeah it's close enough um first thing we're going to do um is we're going to kind of turn our eyes to the community and just tell everyone to be better
1: yeah this weekend was kind of rough between a lot of things happened between chat over the GP, we're not even going to touch with a 12-foot pole what happened at the GP because there are people who are way more qualified. Just don't worry to, about it. Just don't worry pe- about it. I'm saying there are more people more qualified to talk about that stuff than we are. Yeah. Also, there was an article written by Zen Takahashi that, again, we'll post we're, in the show we're notes. going to post you the should, show notes. You should read. Yeah. This is an article that you absolutely should read. Title is called Racism in the Professional Magic Community. And we're just going to, I'm going to leave it at that. Go read the article.
0: Yep. Um, but before we actually get into our uh, topics, we have, turns out that we have gotten reviews and we wanted to give a shout out to those people who uh, took the time to give us a little bit of feedback.
1: Yeah. It turns out I haven't opened iTunes in a while, but no, we give a shout out to uh, a user by the name of Emo Planeswalker. Uh, thank you so much for the, the five-star review there. Uh, Metalupus. I know who he is. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> No, actually, that's his name. It's Bob. Like, I've hung out with no, him. I pack. know. I've hung I, I the know. Packs. Um, and some GPs. And uh, another one, Laobushito. So, thank you very much uh, for those reviews. Greatly appreciate it. Again, I know we mentioned it at the end of every episode, but seriously, if you guys like what you listen, whatever podcasting platform you're on, be it Apple, I know I've been listening to a lot of stuff on Google Podcasts now. Their in-house app is amazing. It's great. It's not amazing, amazing, but it's good enough, serviceable. Whatever. However you listen to it, thank you for listening.
0: Yes. We thank you for taking the time to listen to us ramble about magic. And we're gonna do that for a little bit longer because
1: It's the beginning uh, of the episode, not the end.
0: Ay. Yay. Because turns out that we really like Hans of Tarkir. Like we really, really like Hans of Tarkir. Like
1: Here's here's the thing. I was thinking about it and part of me is like, you know, this is probably like I would say it's maybe a nostalgia factor for a little bit. And I'll say, and the reason why I say nostalgia factor is because you and I, we both got back in the game roughly around the same time after uh, RTR block, basically. Yes. So we had Theros, okay, but this was like the first block where we we were like in franchise players, where we've been around for a year at this point. We know the game. Yep. And this is like hot dang, um, and. It, it is like that nostalgia thing, but it is also considered to be one of the best uh, draft formats. I mean, nowadays, now I guess we say we, Dominaria has absolutely passed this in terms of... I think
0: that'd be close. I think it depends on personal preference. I love Dominaria. I also love Kansa Tarkir.
1: Well, uh, I'm talking...
0: Neither of them, yeah. in my opinion, be Kaladesh. Kaladesh was my all-time favorite, but, you know, that, again, your mileage may vary.
1: Yeah, um, I guess we can say dating back to... Five years, because five years covers
0: literally Theros. Theros.
1: So in the last five years, we've had this. We've had, I know, was was it Triple Kaladesh, right? Yes. Yeah. Is it Triple cons, Triple Kaladesh, or Triple Dominaria? Turns out triple sets are kind of good.
0: I mean, I also like Triple Shadows as well. Triple Shadows was a lot of fun. All four of those are slam dunk formats for me.
1: I mean, the triple thing. There's a reason why they went to triple instead of a big and small set. Or big, yes. small, small in terms of there drafting, is. because which is why
0: I'm which is why I'm really excited to try out Guilds of Ravnica in the fall. But that's also for other reasons. Oh but- man,
1: a, a solitary large set designed specifically around large set Ravnica is going to be
0: great. Hopefully, it, oh, it should be great. But uh, like Ian mentioned, Constant Care came out initially in the fall of 2014. Um, it and it's the it was the first instance really where Wizards decided to try to make a wedge set. Um, if you're familiar with magic in any form, you're you might be familiar with the concept of enemy and ally colors.
1: Here, hold on, kids. Get a magic card near you. Flip it over to the back.
0: Well, we'll John, leave go it first, <laughs> and then and then flip it over on the back. Yeah. Um. So on the on the back of the magic card, you will see the five colors arranged in the color wheel: white, blue, black, red, and green, going clockwise. Uh, the two colors that are adjacent to your, that one color are its allies, and the two colors that are opposite are the enemies. So for Shards of Alara, which came out, I think, around 2007, 2008, um, it focused on the allies. So Bant is white with blue and green. White's two allies. So, so here focused instead on the color and its two enemies. So we have, for example, Obzon, which is white, green, and black. Jeskai, which is blue, white, and red. Sultai, which is black, blue, and green. Mardu, which is black, red, and white. And teamer, which is green, red, and blue. Uh, when when we first started getting information about Tarkir, there was a little confusion about how the co- each clan is focused on a certain color um, and not quote the center of the wedge, which is fine. I think it all worked out for the best, anyways. Um, and so, basically, that's where we started getting the wedge names from. Uh, we mentioned this in a previous podcast when we talked about constant and you may hear us kind of rehash a few of these same notes, but it bears repeating. You know, people didn't have names for, you know, these wedges before. Like, Abzan used to be called Junk. Jeskai used to be called America or French Control. Um, you know, Rug was Teamur, Bug was Sultai. And it, just, it was just one of those things that... We didn't have the nomenclature for it. Mardus yeah,
1: straight up didn't even have a name. That's the it really red, didn't. White, red white black just didn't have a name.
0: It really didn't, and it was just one of those things that just came out naturally. And now, you know, four years removed, I remember people saying when Construct came out, it was like, "I'm never using these names. They'll always be bugged to me." And it's, nope, it's Salt It's or
1: I'll never, or I'll never remember which ones go with which. And it's like, oh, yeah. by the end of like the pre-release weekend, I'm like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> Uh, which
0: hats off to Wizards Creative, making sure that the names are easy to say. They're all they're only two syllables, and they're all just great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it really was a kind of stroke of genius. I mean, we have that with the clans, or not the clans, the uh, the guilds, the guilds, and even the shards. So giving that kind of identity to it, yeah, we will still see people we'll call it Rug delver, you know, and you'll or you'll see teamer delver. Like, it's used interchangeably. It's fine. Because nobody's wrong, which is great. Don't bet. Don't get on yes. each other's case.
0: <laughs> so, one of the things that wizards, when they're coming up with how the colors are supposed to interact with with co- with the construct here and playing these wedges, when you're drafting a wedge, what you really want to be doing is you want to be drafting the enemy color pairs, because then it lets you pivot into whatever clan is open in your seat. So let's say as an example, you're starting to draft blue and red cards. Well, you have a real easy way to shift into green if green is open to draft teamer, or draft shift into white and start drafting Jeskai if you need to. Um, one of the best things about this Pro Tour, about Limited, was that there were wildly various um, theories about the draft format, whether some people said it was actually a two-color format, some people said it was a th- full three-color format, some people said that, nope, you play every color that you can get your hands on.
1: Um, so, and the funny thing is... is- even at the Pro Tour, since it was so new relatively early in the format, some of the, what later came to be staple decks of the limited environment hadn't been found yet either. Um, I mean, some of, the, some of the teams might have had an idea of, yo, let's just grab all the morphs we can get. We'll get into that in a little bit, but it really took off after a particular limited resources episode featuring Kenji. And then after that, you just could never draft that deck again. But
0: it was just like Spider Spawning and then Estrada, as yeah. far as I know.
1: Yeah, so enemy pairs, John, what do we got for this?
0: So the enemy pairs um, are white black, blue red, black green, red white, and blue green. Um, and each of those archetypes has its own uh, synergy and identity going on. So let's say that you are drafting a red white deck. Well, that deck is going to tend to be a kind of a go wide aggro deck. Uh, you're going to see um, emblematic cards of go-white strategies like Trumpet Blast, two in a red instant, attacking creatures get plus two, plus zero, or Rush of Battle, three in a white, Sorcery, uh, creatures you control get plus two, plus one, and if they're warriors gain lifelink, I'll get to that get to that in a sec, uh, or Ride Down, which is a red-white instant that says destroy target blocking creature. All creatures that were blocked by that creature gain trample till end of turn. Um, this is Ride Down's first printing. It was since reprinted in Shadows of our Inner Strahd, um, and it's Right away tokens aggro deck was never always there, but it also utilized token making token making cards like Take Up Arms, which is a five mana instant that makes three warriors, or Hordling Outburst, which is a three mana sorcery in red that makes three goblins. Uh, it is just one of those things that you just go wide with all these token makers, and then you just try to get them out of nowhere with these Anthem style effects of Trumpet Blast or Rush of Battle.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of cards too um, that... There's some kind of cheaper two-mana, three-mana white cards that kind of play well into this and a couple other red cards that are cheap that, you know, like got a Valley Dasher. So it's a one in a red 2-2 two, two with Haste. Granted, it's it's more aimed towards the Mardu side of things, but it has Valley Dasher attacks each turn of fable. So literally, it hits the battlefield and you're swinging away with it.
0: Are there are people who have talked about drafting like the six Valley Dasher deck.
1: Yeah, just wrecking people. Literally, just like okay, Valley Dasher, swing for two. Next turn, Valley Dasher, Valley Dasher. What? Yep. And then you're just like, here's another Valley Dasher. Now here's my trumpet blast. Get wrecked. It's like that kind of. There were the great part about this format is we're like as we'll cover more things is you could do a straight up just beat your opponent in the face by turn six deck, or you could literally go maybe. With a stall them out, knock down, drag out, control style deck that you win on turn 15. Yep. So.
0: As an example, I literally had a deck, or I had a match. I was playing Marty. My opponent was playing the Abzan. We finished game one with three minutes left on the clock.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, the limit, like, limited format. <laughs> I had stuff like that, too, where, like, if you just, there, there were, board stalls were very common in this, and you needed a way to punch it through. Stuff like ride down or trumpet blast or rush a battle is a great way to ba- break that parody. Um, one that uh, you know, uh, archetype that takes good example, uh, good advantage of that is the black white warriors tribal deck. So we did have some tribal uh, black white warriors was kind of again based around some Mardu, but we also got some Abzan in there as well. Again, you're looking at chief of the edge, which is a white and a black three two human warrior. Other warrior creatures you control get plus one plus zero. Oh. Chief of the scale is white and a black. 2-3 human warrior. Other warrior creatures you control get plus 0, plus 1. So scale gave, gave it a butt. Chief of the edge gave it some attack. And then you have stuff like a raider spoils. I don't have that pulled up.
0: It is four, three and a black for a, an enchantment. It says creatures you control get plus 1, plus 0. And whenever a warrior deals combat damage to a player, you may lose one life and draw a card.
1: Yeah, so it's just an insane value engine in that kind of deck because white black usually doesn't have a whole lot of card draw. And that is just yeah. a great way to get some extra toughness on, or extra power on the battlefield. And if you can again, punch through, you're just going to be able to start drawing some cards, especially and at then, that point. You yeah. usually chief of the scale plus a couple other there's the, oh, uh, which one is it? The disowned ancestor, the yes. one black zero four creature spirit warrior with outlast. We'll get to what outlast is in a second, but an O four for one that's a warrior. It takes advantage of all that stuff. You can just stick down the battlefield and it'll just block for days. Get that down yeah. turn one and stop any aggro your opponent has.
0: And then like go back to rush of battle, which is really good in that red white aggro deck. It's even better in black white warriors where all your creatures are getting lifelink as well as plus two plus
1: one. Yeah. And so even um, even if, even if you don't have super profitable attacks, if you're just straight black white warriors, you just get everything plus two and life, like even not disregarding the plus one on you know toughness two extra power and lifelink on top which already probably a two or a three power creature you're gaining like 12 to 15 life off of that swing which should buy you plenty of time to draw back into rebuilding a board state
0: yeah and during previous season for uh constant arc here everyone looked at rush of the battle and goes man why is it a sorcery it's so bad as a sorcery but then everyone's like oh no it's insane
1: if yeah if John and I had a nice little discussion beforehand about the standard that never was with concept here. here. Um, and I have a feeling that this card would have featured prominently if it had in standard, if it had been an instant.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. At four mana. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Like that's a good way to just wreck an opponent, especially with the way they are going for standard these days, but that's that. So black green toughness matters it was kind of a weird play on, um, what one of the other tribes was looking for. The teamer tribe looks at Ferocious, which looks at power. However, the black green was more of a toughness matters. You had a card called Kin Tree Invocation. Green and Black Sorcery, put in XX Blacks and Green Spirit Warrior Creature Token onto the battlefield where X is the greatest toughness among creatures you control. Hey, remember that Ansa disowned Ancestor I just talked about? Turn one disown ancestor, turn two four four. <laughs>
0: Turns out 2 and a 4-4 are really it's good. It's
1: not bad. It's not bad. But yeah. that kind of thing existed in a lot of these decks. A Sultai Flare, 3 and a green, 3-4. Whenever a creature you control with Toughness 4 or greater dies, you gain 4 life. Again, plays yeah. well with a lot of cards in this deck. And if you're playing that Toughness Matters deck, odds are if you get a couple of those Disowned Ancestors, which will come around, trust me, they will. There's a bunch of other smaller creatures out there in those decks that have a nice four toughness behind. I mean, Archer's Parapet, one in a green zero five Defender Wall, one in a black tap. Each opponent loses one life. That card was great in that deck oh, because you would build bonkers. you would build a board state out where you, you know whenever attack and then your end step you're just like okay ping you for one draw play creature go ping you for one ping you for two if you had multiple parapets out so. And just that leads in like-
0: nicely into one of my favorite cards, Keru Bloodsucker. It's two and a black for a two two vampire at uncommon. It says whenever a creature you control with power with toughness four or greater dies, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. But wait, there's more. Two in a black sack another creature, put a pulse pulse counter on Keru Bloodsucker. So it fed its own ability if you were playing out these, you know, these parapets or these disowned ancestors or these big beefy defensive creatures, and then you just kinda look at how much mana you have, you count your opponent's life total and go, okay sack two creatures drain you for 4 untap sack four cre- sack two creatures drain you for 4 again oops you're dead like carry bloodsucker changed a lot of math if you were able to kind of assemble this toughness matters deck also it can just get really big really oh, fast
1: yeah and like if you have something like that plus that sultai flare out and you just start sacking gaining six life and draining yeah. for two and it just gets out of hand and then all of a sudden you know your opponent literally just can't attack into some of these creatures and I, I never really did draft the b- Toughness Matters deck but it is a pretty fun little niche archetype if you can nail it down Um you can also put white in there because white does have some pretty decent commons that have a large behind oh, yeah. Road Patrol which is a 2-5 for 4, War Behemoth which is a 3-6 six for 6 but they have morph and one of them has Outlast so they're pretty decent um,
0: yeah, or you can add in like blue for um, if you're going into Sultai, then you get things like Monastery Flock, which is a three mana 05. Uh, Glacial Stalker, uh, which is a f- six mana 4, 5 with Morph.
1: Embodiment uh, of Spring, a one mana a blue 03. Well, it's an O3. 03, but, well, it's a, it's but, a O3, but one in yeah. a green, you can tap Sack it and you know get help fix the mana if you're into that kind of thing.
0: Exactly. Right. like there's th- th- This archetype is one that it requires to have a little bit of the right pieces. Uh, but it it can be very very powerful in the right circumstances
1: yeah and speaking so, <laughs> speaking of powerful in the right circumstances so the very minimal sub-theme of morphs was amplified in green blue um like they have by far the most or probably the highest
0: they have the highest density of morphs in those colors highest
1: density of morphs and also highest density of like decent morphs i guess you could yep. say uh, a lot of other colors like i said war behemoth was a 3-6 that morph for 4 and a white. So Morph, what is it? Well, <laughs> oh, let, me, let me flip forward <laughs> to this. So Morph is, instead of casting a creature for its mana cost, you may pay 3, generic, to play as a face-down 2-2 two, two, with no name, creature type, or abilities. You may then pay the Morph cost that is on the creature's face to flip it face-up at any time you have priority. Morph costs don't use the stack.
0: It is a special action. The only other special actions that exist in the game are playing lands. Yeah. You cannot respond to someone flipping up a morph.
1: Yeah. It's it's and- not, it's not even stifleable.
0: <laughs> nope. Um, and That's- apparently before, when they were making concept here, they asked Matt Tabak, who was the rules manager at the time to see if he could rework morph and he just couldn't, he just couldn't make it work. So morph remains unmolested from when it's from its original printing from onslaught and it's reprinting in time spiral block. Um, Oh yeah, blue-green morphs is an archetype that people say it's blue-green morphs. Some people would say that, but it's it really, it's, it's kind color. of like, it's kind of however many colors you want to play. Because since they're generic costs to just play these, these morph creatures, you can, let's say that you're playing a teamer deck, and all you have is blue and red lands, you can still play your blue morph creature face down as a 2-2. You can't turn it up right now, but you can still play it.
1: Yeah, and your opponent will never know. You could just, you know, fake them out. With stuff like that or just be looking for tutus uh we're going to talk a little bit more about that five color morph deck a little bit later in the episode because it's just it deserves its own section to talk about it really does um but some of the key cards in just if you're looking at green blue um the key card here by far and away is most important secret plans green and a blue uncommon enchantment Face down creatures you control get plus one plus o. Oh. Whenever a permanent you control is turned face up, draw a card. You flipped so you are, it. Yeah. You're when you're looking to flip the card, you get a car, You draw. You know.
0: You, by the way, you said plus one plus oh. It's plus o oh, plus, oh, plus. Oh, plus o plus one, which My is bad. actually more important. My
1: bad, idiot. I, I screwed that. Up. Face down creatures you control get plus o oh, plus one, so it makes them two threes, which means they can trade profitably in combat with your opponent's morphs because your opponent will have morphs. Most likely, they'll have at least one or two. Even if you're it's not, it's very
0: rare that a deck has like zero morphs.
1: Even the warrior deck has some incidental morphs here and there, just because of the colors it's in. so. Another one example of this kind of thing is cards that flip up from morphs sometimes have effects. Yeah. So, John, what's one that has an effect on it?
0: So, I think the one that you're you're mentioning is um, the Ice Feather Aven. Yeah. Which some people misread Ice as Dad. Ice Father.
1: So we hence, named it Ice Dad.
0: Hence, Ice Dad. <laughs> It's a blue-green for a 2-2 bird Shaman with flying. So it's a Gaia Skyfolk. 2-mana two 2-2 flyer. Already good. But it all but it has morph, and its morph cost is 1 blue-green. Uh, and it says, when Ice Feather Aven is turned face up, you may return another target creature to its owner's hand. Um, it's you'll mana- see a
1: lot of these. It's yeah. a flying mana war
0: 2-2. Yeah. Now, you may think for a second, well, hey, wait a minute. I could just play 2-mana for a 2-2 flyer. Why would I pay two 3-mana to play it face down and 3-mana to flip it face up? That's 6-mana to get what's on its face. But in this case, you're also getting the flip ability, which is, in this case, very, very powerful. And there's a lot of these morphs that are like that. Um, another one that's kind of in, in the same vein is Pine Walker. It is three green green for a five-five elemental uncommon. It has a morph cost of four and a green, so it's actually less mana intensive to flip it up than it is to cast it. And it says whenever Pine Walker or another creature you control turned face up, you untap that creature. Yeah, so be- it lets you attack with your morphs and yeah. then... Uh, flip them up so you can block with them later.
1: Yeah, and the cra- cool part about that too is it like, some of these flip abilities only are a one shot use. Like, you might have to bounce your own creatures back to your hand if you want to replay it for the morph ability. This one affects Pine Walker and every other morph you're playing. So, this is a very good card in the morph yeah. deck.
0: Like, at worst, it's a five minute, five, five, which is already just great and limited. Um, and, but then it also has this added value of, you know, I attack with my morph and you go, okay. I take it, and then I attack you, and then I go, oop, flip it up, oh, surprise, five, five, kill your guy.
1: Yeah. Um, So our last two-color archetype of that is one of the ones I basically drafted. I think the third most behind Morphs and the Warrior deck, and that's Blue-Red Tempo. Uh, Blue-Red Spells Matters, your your classic archetype, but this is one of the—I believe this was the first set where Prowess was a mechanic.
0: This was the first set with prowess. Prowess be- was uh, initially introduced in Consular and R&D loved it so much that they decided to make it evergreen. Although apparently attitudes are changing on that
1: because um, <laughs> it's a little good. Anyway, it, it's a little good, yeah. But basically, prowess is. We've seen them actually rework yeah. prowess too, where it's now instant or sorcery instead of non-creature spell. Like but we, it doesn't
0: say prowess, it's just... Well, like, no,
1: because prowess is whenever you cast a non-creature spell, this creature gets plus one, plus one to end a turn. Because that means artifacts count, enchantments count, planeswalkers count,
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, instant sorceries, all of that counts. Where now they're kind of going to, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, gift plus one, plus one. So they've reworked yeah. it to just a spells matter prowess.
0: Yeah. But here, you get the benefits from artifacts, which there aren't very many that are relevant, but you also get the bonus from, um, from enchantments, or if you are, get so lucky, a Planeswalker. Um, and, but I think the big card that kind of sells this archetype is Master the Way. It is three blue-red for a sorcery. It says draw a card. This just master, master the
1: Way, by the way. The,
0: sorry, Master everyone, the Way. Everyone
1: adds of the way.
0: Sorry, so then Master the Way deals damage to target creature or player equal to the number of cards in your hand. Um, so it's kind of a control finisher, but it also does a, sem- a good job in the Prowess deck where it's like you have a bunch of Prowess creatures, that, which you will have in blue and red. Buff them all up, deal a bunch of damage equal to the cards in your hand, and get a little bit of velocity. Um, and then because blue-red is also into teamer, you get a lot of the Ferocious cards, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Good but, old uh, Crater Claws. Like, Crater's Claws. Uh, I was thinking of Force Away. Um, Force Away's pretty good, too. Barrage of Boulders. You know. like we
1: mentioned like the bounce spell, Force Away is one in a blue instant, return target creature to its owner's hand. It has Ferocious, which we'll talk about. But anyway, if you control a creature with power four or greater, you may draw a card if you do discard a card. So you basically get to loot, or yeah, you mm-hmm. loot, wait which, which is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's just bonkers. Uh, I and mean, <laughs> so those are your kind of enemy color pairs. That if you're trying to just stay two colors, that's kind of what you are going to want to be doing. But again, if you're drafting those and one of those two colors dries up, you can try to pivot into one of your clans.
1: Yeah. A nice, a nice recap though. Red, white tokens, black, white warriors, blue, green, toughness matters, green, blue morphs, blue, red tempo yeah. onto the clans.
0: And we'll talk, we'll talk about them kind of in a centered order, starting off with Abzan, which is green, white, and black. Um, and this was the outlast mechanic. The out- outlast is a mechanic that goes on creatures, uh, you pay a mana cost and tap the creature to put a pulse pulse counter on it. You can only do this as a sorcery. Um, the Abzan were supposed to outlast their opponents and kind of do so via endurance.
1: They were a desert nomadic kind of tribe that, you know, dealt with a lot of yeah. walls and big things like that. So counters making things, you know, fortified.
0: Exactly. Uh, and arguably the best Uncommon in the set uh, is in Abzan with Outlast, and that's Abzan Falconer. It's two and a white for a 2-3 human soldier at Uncommon. Um, uh, it has outlast for a single white mana and It says each creature you control with a pulse and pulse counter on it has flying.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the, bomb, like you said, one of the bomb on commons uh, pairs absolutely, absolutely well with anything else in these colors. It has counters. You're only usually going to get counters. I think in this set were centered around the Obzon colors. Even other clans would occasionally get them, but, they were still Obzon related. You don't see many plus one, plus one counters in green or blue at all in the set. You just have prowess in those colors.
0: I think you mean red or, blue.
1: or red or blue, right? Yeah. Red or blue. I said green, man, I'm all over the place tonight. Anyway, armament core is another kind of spicy uncommon. It was two white, black, green four, four human soldier creature. When armament core enters the battlefield, distribute two plus one, plus one counters among one or two target creatures you control.
0: Yeah, so you can either spread the love, make it a six mana, six, six, and hopefully if you have a couple of other of these kind of what we call plus one, plus one mana lords, or, or plus one, plus one counters lords, they'll get other abilities. Like there's Tusk Guard Captain in green that grants Trample. There's Longshot Squad in green that grants Reach. There's Merrick Nightblade in black that grants uh, grants Death Touch. Um, there's um, the Absalom Battle Priest in white that also grants Lifelink. Uh, Einok Bonkin, one of the most powerful commons. In white, two mana, two one hound soldier with outlast for one and a white, and it gives all your creatures a possible encounters on them first strike. You can so, you can
1: literally just have a you can have like a first strike flying lifelinker because of those three cards synergizing so well with each other. The whole point was on you know, is very hardy. They work well with each other, so therefore they boost each other up. But yeah. So speaking of boosting, you yeah. mentioned prowess.
0: Yes, Jeskai. that is the
1: Jeskai clan's yes. central mechanic.
0: Yeah, and like we said, prowess is just—it's on creatures. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, the creature gets plus one, plus one to end a turn. So the Jeskai clan decks tend to be very tricky. They tend to be very cool. much uh, tempo-oriented, and they—they they want to play these creatures and then kind of make you play a guessing game. I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll attack and say, "Do you think I have an instant? Do you think I have a way of interrupting you? Do you think that I have a way of making my prowess creatures, which tend to start off pretty small and dinky?" into much bigger threats.
1: Yeah, they loved instants. Not necessarily sorceries, instance. instants. They loved playing with the combat step. Um, again, those, that combat trick kind of thing is really, yeah. really where the Jeskai clan shined.
0: Yeah. And like one of the big bombs in Jeskai is Sage of the Inward Eye. It's two blue, red, white for a 3-4 gen wizard with flying. It's a rare. And whenever you cast a non-creature spell, creatures you control gain lifelink until end of turn. So, you know, it adds on to your prowess creatures by making them, you know, giving them lifelink, making you even harder to kill if your opponent manages to, you know, kill a few of your creatures, trade off, and then it's just like, oh, they're at 30 or whatever. Um, one of the most important prowess creatures, which you should not underestimate, is Bloodfire Expert. One in a, or two in a red for a 3-1 Efreet Monk at common and has prowess. You'll we'll see, get tr- why. trust me. You'll
1: you'll see these actually come around the table a lot because nobody liked the three one. But you can do some fun stuff with that, like John. what's we'll something?
0: get to we'll get to well the big reason it deals with uh, Teamer, uh, which we can go ahead and talk about. Uh, Teamer was Ian's favorite clan, yeah. um, and their mechanic was ferocious, which you already mentioned, which is basically on a lot of instances of sorceries, which says. If you control a creature with power four or greater, creatures do with, or something will happen. So, uh, like the, with Barrage of Boulders yeah. or with um,
1: Force Away and the like. And this is encapsulated in one of the creatures. It's very plain, vanilla ish, common, A called Alpine Grizzly, two and a green, four, two. It's a bear, but it's not a bear in the quote unquote, it's a two, two for two sense. It's that Tarkir bears are four X. So everyone who is you know going off about Gork Claw, you know Terror Calisma, it's because Abzan Bears are four power, Teamer Bears, Teamer Bears, or not? Yeah, Tarkir Bears is where I meant to say. There we go. My God, all over the place tonight. Anyway, Teemer Bears. So was,
0: yeah, yeah. So with Bloodfire Expert, you, you cast a non-creature spell, it becomes a four two. It activates those prowess abilities. Um, one of the most you know impactful cards in that in that clan is Savage Punch. A because the art is fantastic. Uh, but it's one and a green for a sorcery at common. Target creature you control fights the target creature you don't control. But if you have a creature with power 4 or greater, the creature you control gets plus 2, plus 2 before it fights. So whether – and it doesn't matter if the creature that you chose has the power 4 or greater. It just matters if you have a creature with power 4 or greater. So let's say that you have a board of Bloodfire Expert and some other creature – uh, you cast Savage Punch on your other creature. Your other creature is going to get plus two, plus two, because your Bloodfire Expert's Prowess trigger will resolve before Savage Punch will.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. It's it's yeah. kind of nice. Um, fun thing that t- pairs well with that Alpine Grizzly is uh, there was a card that was actually one of my favorite cards, and I played it in a couple decks of mine in Standard back in the day when I was playing green. Some of the on decks later on in Standard was Air of the Wilds. It's one and, yes. a, one and a green, two, two, with that touch. So it's a bear with upside, but it has ferocious, so it's got even more upside. Whenever Air of the Wilds attacks, if you control a creature with power four or greater, Air of the Wilds gets plus one, plus one, until end of turn. So you could go in a limited format, Air of the Wilds, pass the turn. Opponent goes, okay, play this thing, pass turn back. You go, Alpine Grizzly, swing with Air of the Wilds, ferocious trigger, Air of the Wilds is now a 3-3 three, three death toucher, which probably outclasses everything your opponent just played on turn two yep usually it's, did it's very very good card um will trade up absolutely and it is a very good uncommon if you are in green regardless of if you even have ferocious matter pick up this card yep because a two two death toucher will trade up for you regardless so
0: yep um, next, ca- next clan we're gonna talk about is Sultai. This was their clan mechanic was delve, which is returning quote unquote from Time Spiral, uh, which is a additional it's a um,
1: mana reduction.
0: Yeah, cost reduction mechanic that says instead of paying the generic cost, you can exile cards from your graveyard. So in limited, um, it means that you basically get a discount on certain cards, and you may have to exile one or two cards from your graveyard just to get whatever this card would be on rate. Um, kind of as an example, we can look at Hooting Mandrills, which is a 4-4 four, four Trampling Ape at common, and it has Delve. Now, normally what you probably would pay for a 4-4 four, four Trample is 5 mana, and you'd be okay with that. 4 mana and you're, you're ecstatic.
1: That's an uncommon Hooting, at that point.
0: Yeah. Hooting Mandrills, however, costs 6 mana. So you can either pay 6 mana for a 4-4 four, four Trample, which you're not excited about, or depending on how many cards in your graveyard, you could pay 1 mana for a 4-4 four, four Trample. By exiling five cards from your graveyard. Yeah, one fun- of the big... In-
1: yeah, funnily in- enough, hard. this card actually sees a legacy play in yeah. rug Delver because of that delve mechanic. Legacy, you're playing a bunch of spells. So you're going to have a lot of stuff in your graveyard. Yeah. You can just... Uh, okay, one mana four, four, trample, go.
0: Uh, Gurmag Angler, legacy staple in uh, Grixis Delver decks, is- was printed in Fate Reforged, but it's six and a black for a five-five with no other ability, and it has delve. Yeah, you'll never uh, see that.
1: You won't see it in the set. Not in the set.
0: yeah thankfully maybe not thankfully doesn't matter about one of the big enablers for this was scout the borders two and a green sorcery common reveal the top five cards of your library you may put a creature or land from among them into your hand and put the rest in your graveyard
1: now to to, to play cards like scout the borders though you really needed to be heavy in on the delve strategy it's not a card you would play unless you were like i have a lot of cards with delve now the thing with delve is it's a very it's a self-parasitic mechanic
0: you can't have too many
1: yeah you can't be like oh i've got these like eight cards with delve in my deck it's like how are you gonna pay for all that delve usually yeah. your sweet spot was about five to six really solid delve cards yeah because yeah, at like any point any point in game like john said if you can get a single mana reduction off of a delve you're happy if you can ramp it up to however you need great go right ahead.
0: So, like, one of the big bombs that with Delve was Necropolis Fiend. Seven black black for a four or five demon at rare. It has Delve. It also has flying. Then it also has an activated ability of X, tap, exile, X cards from your graveyard, give target creature minus X minus X until end of turn. So, you know, you pay the pay this for, like, maybe four mana, five mana. And then later on, it's just like, okay, kill your guy, kill your guy. And then your, your opponent just can't recover from that. Uh, one of the premier delve spells that saw a lot of play in Standard, I think it doesn't see much play right now in st- in Modern, but it, I could totally see it seeing play at some point again, is Murderous Cut, which is a slam dunk first pick card over everything but the bombiest of bombs. Four in a black, instant, uncommon, destroy target creature with delve.
1: The best removal card in the set, period.
0: Yeah. The only thing you take over it are the bombiest of bombs. The only thing.
1: Yeah, it's just clean unconditional destroyed target creature bam yeah um and if you, there you go for it
0: i'll go okay yeah so and like one of the big uncommons that kind of really sold this archetype is sultai soothsayer two black green blue for a 2-5 naga shaman uncommon uh when there's the battlefield you look at the top four cards of your library put one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard even without any delve synergies, this card is just a is a boss it's really good at blocking it gives you a little bit of card selection. And if you don't have the big delve cards, you don't have the big graveyard payoffs. Your your goal is to grind them out. Yeah, like we said with the black green toughness matters deck, your goal is to grind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when we we're gonna actually get to some of the cycles that help define the roles of the clans, there is a the cons which are leader of these clans that we're talking about now. You'll absolutely see these particular kind of like graveyard matter stuff really hyper reflected in at least the. Sultai clan yeah. commander or Khan Khan
0: yeah, eh, and yeah. the last clan, my favorite clan, was the Mardu. Marhu. This is the red white gre- the red white black clan, uh, and their mechanic was raid. And when we talked about uh, Khan's attack here last time, I was like, and I we heard that raid was coming back, and it did come back in Ixalon. Even if IXilon itself kind of got a little bit of a lackluster response, uh, raid is still a fantastic mechanic. Um, it's mechanic that you'll see on you know a variety of different creatures instance whatever uh that basically says if a creature attacks this turn do something extra uh one of the cards that i was really excited about at the beginning was Warname aspirant one in a red for a 2-1 human warrior at uncommon uh it can be blocked by creatures with power one or less but if you attacked with a creature this turn it comes in with a pulse puzzle counter
1: um so it becomes or- it's becomes a three two for two if you had a early cheap creature to swing with which mm-hmm. is great
0: right uh, speaking of early cheap creatures that kind of enable this, Mardu Hateblade. This card was really underrated at the beginning.
1: And then oh. it, it would not wheel if you nope. were.
0: White 1 1 Human Warrior at Common, no text except Black. Mardu Hateblade gains Death Touch. Yeah, so. If you it... have those two mana raid cards that you want to make sure you have raid on turn two, you pick up as many Hateblades as you want, or as you need, I should say. And then plus, it will almost always trade up.
1: Oh, yeah. Very for rarely sh- does it trade down. For sure. Basically, at any good Mar- Mardu experience, I should say, not good. Any experienced Mardu player will always leave a black mana open. Yeah, Every time, you'll you'll chunk down your own curve, specifically leave black mana open for your Mardu Blade activation at any given time. And yeah. opponents are afraid. It's a one-mana, one-one, and you're not going to attack into it unless you have evasion or a way to remove it because exactly. it's, it's gross. Speaking of other one mana creatures that are just ridiculous in enabling raid it's a rare but it's blood soak champion it's a black oh yes it's a black 2-1 blood champion can't attack it has raid one yep. in the black can't
0: block or
1: it can't block yet. Yeah, no it can't <laughs> raid one in the black return blood soak champion from your graveyard to the battlefield activate this ability only if you attack with a creature this turn you can recur this card that's yeah. what its raid ability is like, <laughs> you can
0: play it you can play it on turn one then you can attack on turn two. If your opponent blocks it for some reason, you can then pay one of the black and return it back from the graveyard.
1: Or and you can just – or you swing with that on your turn one. Then yeah. you get your Warneum Aspirant down and then you go say go. Yeah. And then you swing with your War-Name Aspirant and get this back. Exactly. And then you play Murder Hate Blade.
0: Exactly. Um, and then since we've talked about how all of these are – this is a three-color set or a gold set, whatever you want to call it. There has to be good mana fixing in this in this type of environment, and you see that in Consortar here because there are a full twenty lands that are non-basic lands that tap for for two colors of mana. There is the rare cycle of fetch lands, which is why everyone wants to draft this set because the fetch lands are super valuable as the allied fetch lands. There's also a cycle of uncommon tri lands. Which enter the battlefield tap, and tap for three colors of mana. Frontier Bivouac, Mo- Mystic Monastery, Nomad Outpost, Opulent Palace, and Stance Up Citadel.
1: And they operate. And they, they, again, they operate in again the different cl- uh, wedge colors.
0: Yes, um, and then the the real kind of push is a a full cycle of ten two color ETB tap lands that when they enter the battlefield you gain one life.
1: Okay, so these cards are what put this format into. Overdrive. Uh if you're playing this deck, we so we mentioned a lot of these there's aggro that desks that decks that exist. You're not hitting your opponent down from 20 life. Odds are you're hitting your opponent down from at a bare minimum twenty-two life in this format.
0: It was very common to have both players start the game with turn one tap land go. Opponent goes, turn one tap land go.
1: Yeah, it's like game start literally arc here, game starts at twenty one. But not officially. It's it's because you have Taplands. It's
0: it, it's a quote-unquote gentleman's agreement, whatever yeah, you want to call it.
1: It's a... And they're common, so they're in Pauper, and they're Pauper staples for helping fix mana in those uh, crazy decks. Um, so we mentioned earlier how with the morph mechanic, or the morph thing, sent around green-blue. That's fine. But you have these game lands. And It became a common theme after it was kind of broken or the the way to draft it was broke into the the public is that pack one, all you do is above every other card in that pack, unless it's the stone cold bomb rare, you draft one of these lands. It doesn't matter what deck you're in. You just lands or morphs, lands or morphs. If it's a very good morph, you take it. If it's a mediocre morph that you know will wheel, leave it in the pack, get it on the wheel, take the land people would take their entire first pack and have like eight of these tap lands. And then at that point you just pick literally the best of everything in every pack for the rest of the way. You're not like, Oh, I got it. Like this is a really good, like green card, but I'm not in green. I'm in blue and red. Hold on. Actually, I can just take it anyway. Cause I have a way to fix it. Good.
0: Yeah. It's, it doesn't always come together and it definitely
1: doesn't come together when everyone's trying to draft it. So here's the thing in this flashback you might be able to draft the five-color morph deck. I have done it in a flashback draft before. Do not expect to be able to easily draft five-color morphs in a flashback. That's what everyone's going to try to do. Yes. It behooves you to maybe go into a two-color deck. I will tell you right now, Black-White Warriors is a really good deck that it is usually arguably, is open.
0: It's arguably the best deck in the format. Arguably.
1: Yeah. And the thing is... is people are so focused on I want to draft morphs that they just completely skip the warrior tribal deck yeah and if you see chief of the scale on turn on like your third pick or chief of the edge on as your third pick instantly switch into warriors mm-hmm. I don't even care just switch into warriors whatever your first two picks are sorry get them out of here They're warriors now. splash splash those colors
0: cowards can't block warriors remember that
1: yeah um the but the morph deck is really really cool and you see like we mentioned um secret plans being very key to that deck like if you want to draft that secret plans above all else should be your top priority card
0: it's either that or trail of mystery
1: yes and trail, of mystery, trail of mystery is
0: there, it, it's a rare enchantment that says whenever a face down creature enters the battlefield under your control you may search your library for a basic land card reveal it, and put it into your hand then shuffle your library and then whenever permanent you control is turned face up if it's a creature it gets plus two plus two to end a turn so with Trail of Mystery, if you see that pack one pick one, just go in. Just just go in. Trail of Mystery is it doesn't look like a bomb, but if you want to draft five color morphs, Trail of Mystery is irreplaceable. It there's nothing that you can do that Trail of Mystery can can't do for you. It's drawing you a land every turn. It's making sure that you hit your land drops. So you make sure you hit your colors so that you can flip up these three color, these two color morphs.
1: And what's and, and what's really funny though is <laughs> You sometimes don't even get all of that but
0: yeah and this is you may have it you may have one of these decks where you're just like, i only have seven basics so or five basics if you're lucky
1: so speaking of casting a lot of these cards we got to move quickly through this because man talking about these decks is so great and fun the it's cons so we much- mentioned on them before um we're just going to basically touch on them and go and offense of the foremost is the obzon it's uh white black green four four whenever she attacks put a plus one plus one counter on another tap target creature you control if a creature you would control be put in graver opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile instead. So Obzon counters matter. Narset yeah. Enlightened Master 3 and a Jeskai. So uh blue, red, white, three-two human monk with first strike, hexproof. Whenever Narset Enlightened Master attacks, exile the top four cards of your library. Until end of turn, you may cast non-creature cards, exile with Narset this turn without paying their mana cost. Hey, don't look. play Narset. Spells matter. Yeah, don't play Narset. She's Narset's ins- really bad and limited. She's insane in commander straight terrible in limited not good in limited city c blood brood tyrant one and a uh soul tie so black green blue three three legendary creature naga shaman whenever city c brood tyrant enters the battlefield or attacks put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard whenever one or more creature cards are put in your graveyard from your library put a two two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield remember they're caring about Delve. You're, she's literally dumping cards into your graveyard for you to help fuel that.
0: You may mill yourself if you place a DC. I nearly did.
1: Oh, one thing about Sultai I have seen Sultai players play 50 card decks.
0: I don't recommend it, but it's, I don't recommend it, I've but, but I've it. seen
1: them play 50 card decks or 45 cards just to make sure they don't yeah. mill. Zergo, Helm Smasher, two, and a That's red, white, black. 7 2, Orc Warrior. With Haste. Zergo Helmsmasher attacks each combat if able. Hey look, he just turned on Raid for you. Zergo Helmsmasher has Indestructible as long as it's your turn. So that's where that two toughness doesn't really matter there for him. Also, whenever a creature dealt damage by her Zir- Zergo Helmsmasher this turn dies, put a plus one plus one counter. He gets out of hand real quick. because yeah, he, he, t-
0: he turns into the Abyss, which basically means that your opponent must
1: block him every turn. And he has to die. On- your opponent has to have a removal spell on their turn to kill it. Exactly. Uh, and the last one's Sirach, Dragon Claw, aka Daddy Bear Puncher. Two and a teamer. Green, blue, red. Six, six with Flash, Human Warrior. Sirach, Dragon Claw can't be countered. Creature spells you control can't be countered. Other creatures you control have trample. Hey, look, he cares about big things in terms of usually you're playing him in a teamer deck. You're going to have creatures that need to bust through. You're going to have big creatures. He gives them all trample so they can push on through and break Don't.
0: Don't hesitate to use Surak as a combat trick either to just surprise your opponent and be like, oops, trample.
1: Yeah, or like, oops, got him. Exactly. Like, they, the opponent makes blocks where they think, okay, I can just put a chumper here with like a two, I'll put my 1-1 one, one in front of this seven, or this 5-5. Five, five. Oops, now I'm taking four damage. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Uh, the cons are really cool. There are a couple other cycles we're not going to really dig well, deep into.
0: I do want to mention the cycle of charms. Yeah. Um, they are... In, they're all three-mana instants in their in their clan's colors that have three modes. All of them are pretty good. They uh-huh. all do very powerful things. And it doesn't matter what people told you about how good they were in constructed, how Teemer Charm was bad. Don't listen to them. They're all pretty good if you're in that clan.
1: In a pinch, Teemer Charm is literally one of the modes is target creature you control gets plus one, plus one, and fights a target creature you don't control. Like, yeah. that's, that's a removal spell yeah like it's fine it's not great in standard but yeah. seriously if you're in the colors of a charm and you see it go ahead and take it if you if you think it's good for your deck like or it's,
0: or if you're in the five color deck
1: yeah if you're in the five color deck just grab any charm you can grab like they're yes. amazing some of them have graveyard recursion yeah. some of them destroy you know give you life some of just them. Just guy
0: charm kills your opponent yeah it's pretty like pretty great 20 different ways
1: uh, some of the cards that are kind of clan related to help, help quote unquote with fixing don't really take them. They're not that great. Are the banners. There are three mana artifacts that tap for one of a color. You you, you probably want to play at least one at most. Um, well As, as Andrew Cunio
0: once put it during when Consular was in, was in rotation, uh, you can play any number of basic lands that you, as you want. Exactly. So you, you can just play a 19th land. Well, by the way, it's an 18 land format.
1: Yeah, this is a- Unless
0: you're like really aggressive.
1: Unless you're in the warrior deck or the token deck, you can swing maybe 16 lands in those decks because a lot of them aren't looking to hit more than five mana. Yeah. Um, if you have a really tight tribal or token deck, yeah, don't worry about 17, 16 or 17 lands. 17 is pushing it from some of these decks, especially the the uh, the five color deck. You definitely want yeah. 18 lands. Because you're probably gonna have six or seven of those eighteen be gain lands. Yep. So you don't want to be able to be a turn off of being able to kill your opponent's big thing just because oops, I had it to ETP tap land. Yep. But some of the another cycle though is the common clan morphs. These things are really huge to look for. They're gold yes, cards.
0: They are three color cards. They all have the same mana cost of three and then they're three colors of their of their clan. They all have the same morph cost of two in that clan. And uh, they all have varying abilities that help synergize with their clan. Sultai has the Abomination of Gudule, which is a 3 4 flyer that loots when it hits a player. Obzon Guide's a 4 4 lifelink. That's just really solid. Yeah. Ifrit Weapon Master is a 4 3 first strike, then when it flips up, you give another tr- creature plus 3 plus 0 until end of turn. Um,. Then you have the the uh, Mardi one is Ponyback Brigade, which creates three one one red goblins when it turns face face up. And it's a two which two, helps. Oh, it's a two two, right? Uh, and it, it's also a warrior, so it helps the warrior deck, and it makes a bunch of tokens for the token deck. Then there's also Snowhorn Rider and Teemer, which is a five five trample.
1: Yeah. Um. So again, these cards are ones where if you're in that war, if you're even in those wedges, you don't even need to be the you know the the morph deck. Just grab these cards; they're great. Yeah. Like the free weapon masters etb or face up you don't even have to morph it you can just slam it for six mana if you get to that point a point of i would be absolutely remiss if i do not mention it in this podcast is the key for morphs this is big flashing sign for morphs the key mana cost is five
0: what do you mean by that
1: okay so we mentioned morph costs and flipping them up right so remember ice feather even is a two two for you know and it flips up for three the problem is is that if you hit your Ice Feather Aven into another morph, even if you flip it up, Ice Fair Aven is still gonna die. With the exception of Ponyback Brigade, because it, you know, provides five power toughness over four bodies, so technically you're getting that. Every card that has a morph cost five or greater will favorably interact with a block by another morph. So meaning that you will not lose your creature that morphs up for five or greater mana against that two two. Yeah. So, every single one of those we just mentioned, with the exception point of Bat Brigade, but again, it leaves three Goblin tokens behind. So, okay, cool. You're technically, you might be trading off and killing their morph, but you're still getting three creatures behind. Everything else um, that really matters in terms of that morph cost is, again, six or above. We mentioned Pine Walker. It morphs up for five. It's a 5 5. 5 is going to kill a 2 2.
0: Yes. Uh, four mana. Not going to save you because, for example, Canyon Lurkers <laughs> is a 5-mana, uh, five 5-2 five human rogue, but it morphs for 4-mana. It's going to eat anything, but it's going to trade for every morph. Yeah. On the on the flip side, Monastery Flock, 3-mana, 05 Defender, has morph, has flying also, but its morph costs a single blue.
1: And it's not so, going to eat that thing. There are actual the- morph cards as well. There's a cycle of them that you reveal a color of that matching one and you flip it up.
0: And in some of these cases, they—I uh, think they—they they all trade for morphs or just stonewall them. But it's just one of those. It's morph is just a really weird mechanic, and it—it it defines this format. And by the way, if you have a two-two, it's not going to be as good as a two-three, and your 3 aren't going to be that good either.
1: Yeah, um, three toughnesses—the the, in this format, three toughness. If you're drafting it, is the key toughness to look out for. Yes. Um, you're going to have the best thing One of the key removal spells We mentioned um, the primo one Being Murder's cut One of the key removal spells again in black Is debilitating injury One in the black enchantment or Enchantment aura Enchant creature Enchanted creature gets minus two minus two It's designed to be able to kill any morph That and you play you may be,
0: And for those of you who've played more recently Like with Shadows Over Innistrad You may remember the card Deadweight Which is this exact card except it costs black mana
1: yeah, no, they a black. they actually made it worse specifically because otherwise it would be too powerful against these two twos that were the kind of the headline mechanic.
0: Yeah, basically every game on turn three, you can assume your opponent has access to a
1: 2-2. We're not even going to talk about, we don't even have time to talk about some of these massive bombs, but one of the, I know one of the, the, the ones. The bombiest of bombs. The bombiest of all the bombs. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Bomb, bomb. bomb. Wingmate Rock is, well. Wingmate Rock. Wingmate rock is a freaking bomb. And Please I say smell
0: that. The rock is cooking.
1: Yeah. Wingmate rock three white, white three, four creature bird f- with flying. It has raid. Whenever wingmate rock enters the battlefield, if you attack with a creature, this turn, put another three, four white bird creature token with flying onto the battlefield. Whenever wingmate rock attacks, you gain one life for each attacking creature. It's a very good three, four for flyer for five. When it attacks, you gain life for every other attacking creature. So this thing is amazing in that token deck. Because, hey, look, you create a token with Raid for it. This is, like, if you open Wingmate Rock, it is by far one of the literally best cards you can get, period, in yeah. the set.
0: Like, you open Wingmate Rock, and you're even remotely in white, you take it.
1: Yeah, you're actually that, you that good. You are a happy person. I even like Sarkon as a bomb.
0: Sarkon's really good, too. Sarkon he's the one of the two Planeswalkers in the set. He's 3 Red Red for 4 Loyalty planes walk- Legendary Planeswalker Sarkin. He's legendary now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a plus 1 until end of turn, Sarkin the Dragon Speaker. Becomes a legendary 4-4 four, four Red Dragon creature to- creature with Flying, Indestructible, and Haste. So he can attack immediately that turn. Uh, minus 3, he deals 4 damage to target creature. And then minus 6 is you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your draw step, draw 2 additional cards. And at the beginning of your instep, discard your hand. Here's the thing.
1: I have literally never seen this card ultimated, ever.
0: I have seen this card ultimated in Constructed.
1: Huh. Interesting.
0: Uh, Protokaza here. yeah. You can uh, look it up. I think it was... um, (sighs) Whose deck was it? I want to say it was um, uh, Raphael Levy. He was playing a Mardu Planeswalker deck and he had Sargon and he ulted Sargon and helped him win the game. I Uh, think
1: I played one or two of them at one point in one of the iterations of my Dragons of Tarkir standard deck. Uh, I played Red-Green Dragons, obviously. Played well. um, Yeah. Kind of. Some of their cards in later sets, you needed dragons and didn't really play well with them. But there's some very, like, we mentioned the three toughness, right? So one of the cards that I love, it's a great card. It's not a bomb. It's a common. Alabaster Kieran, 3 and a white. 2-3 Flying Vigilant. Just a great card. Yeah, the for card this is
0: subtly powerful.
1: Because uh, remember, morphs are only two twos. It's got Flying and Vigilance. You can still chip in in the air and still have it blocking. It's yeah. some fun stuff. Uh, so we're gonna kind of wrap it up. John, when you're drafting KTK or Triple Cons, tell us what the audience should look for.
0: You're looking for Mana Fixing? You're looking for drafting an enemy color pair and then maybe and maybe audibling into a clan and taking big bombs. Uh, if you want to go deep and take the five color deck, you certainly can, and I can't stop you. But be careful. Make sure that you start taking creatures at some point over lands.
1: Yeah, the, that, what can get you is you might do that and draft eight creatures or eight of those tap lands, but then somebody else might have been taking a bunch of them, too. And then in your next packs, you just don't have that critical mass of creatures. You need to realize when you need to start pulling out of drafting lands and doing that kind of thing. Yep. There are some amazing build around on commons. Um, I highly recommend going back and listening to some of the limited resources things if you have the time because they're like five hours long. But I know <laughs> they John- They will be linked some, in the show notes. I know John, some of your favorite cards in this format are some of those. So let's yes. just go into some of our little, our pet cards We've already mentioned so, a couple of them throughout the episode, but John, go ahead.
0: I, m- I mentioned Carry Bloodsucker, uh, but I have had the pleasure of working with Carry Bloodsucker as well as Swarm of Bloodflies, which is four and a black for a zero-zero flying insect. But you go, wait a minute, but it'll die. It enters the battlefield with two plus plus one counters, and then whenever another creature dies, you put a plus plus one counter on it. So Carry Bloodsucker plus Swarm of Bloodflies just means that Swarm gets huge and you just kill them. Um, Marduk Horde Chief, not really a build around. It's a two and a white common war- uh, human warrior. It's a two three with raid, create a one one. So great in the go wide deck. Also blocks Morse all day. Uh, these next two, three cards I'm going to mention all roughly can go in the same deck. Jeskai Elder, one of the blue, one two, uh, human elder with prowess. And whenever it deals damage to a player, you loot, so you draw a discard. Uh, it's great with alongside cards like Goblin Slide which is my favorite build around of the set. It is two and a red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you may pay one. If you do, create a one-one red goblin creature token with haste. Um, and if you draft the goblin slide deck, you don't really need to care about creatures. Just draft a bunch of spells and then kill them with flying crane technique, which is up there in, is the bombiest bombs. It is three blue, red, white for a instant. Uh, untap all creatures you control. Those creatures gain flying and double strike until end of turn.
1: Yeah, it's gross. It's it, just straight up hoses.
0: It either destroys your opponent's attacks or kills them. One yeah. of the two.
1: Yeah, you you do that specifically. You might have attacked your opponent's things. Oh, cool! I've got this. I got them dead on the crackback. I'll, I'll you'll be like, oh, I won't block here, here, and here because I can just make sure I kill them on the crackback. Then you yes. FCTM, untap, boop, kill their team. You go. They go. Oh, okay, go. And then you go, bat, gotcha, win, game. Yeah.
0: I have literally swung for 20 thanks to Flying Crane Technique and Goblin Slide.
1: That's gross, and I love it.
0: I love it, too. Ian, what are some of your favorites?
1: So my pet rare for the set, we mentioned it. I don't think we did mention I don't think we mentioned it. Savage we Knuckleblade. Not, we have not mentioned, yeah. Savage Knuckleblade, a.k.a. Big Nux. He's a teamer, so he's green, blue, red, 4-4 Ogre Warrior. You can pay, He you, it has a bunch of abilities you can pay for So 2 in a green, Savage Knuckleblade gets Plus 2, plus 2 to its end of turn Activated this ability only once each turn So that makes him a 6-6 six, six. You can pay 2 in a blue, return Savage Knuckleblade to its owner's hands Hey, did your opponent target this with a removal spell? Nope, get back here And then red, Savage Knuckleblade gains haste In its line to turn So technically you get a 4-4 four, four haste for green, blue, red, red yeah. Kind of color intensive But I loved the dang thing it, it was, I really wanted it to be good It never was, it made me sad my favorite non rare, um, I loved the Morph deck. It was just great. My pet card in the Morph deck that I just always wanted to take two or three of is Mystic of the Hidden Way. It's a four and a blue, three, two human creature monk. Mystic of the Hidden Way can't be blocked. He has Morph, like I mentioned, for two and a blue. So you can pay him, Morph him for three and then flip him up for three and just start chipping away, lightning, lightning bolt in your opponent every turn. Can't be blocked, um, which is oh, amazing. I don't love it. Um, one of the cards is from older list and stuff like that. We never mentioned it, but River Wheel Aerialist is one of the hardest cards to say and always tripped coverage up. It's a five and a blue, four five Flying Prowess, Jin Monk. I loved this card anyway, despite the fact its name is ridiculous to say, because in any blue deck that I had in this format, period, I wanted one of these cards as like my finisher. A four or five Flying Prowess that, if it's six mana, it's going to be the top of my curve, but a four five Flyer is good anything that can get bigger when i'm casting prowess if i have 6 mana at that point i'm probably casting two instant like two non creature spells maybe in a turn so then it becomes like a 6 7 and that's just hard to deal with in the air it ends games. it was re-
0: i think it was reprinted oh, in uh masters 25 as a common <laughs>
1: uh yes it or iconic masters
0: iconic masters as a common yeah that was whoo
1: yeah, that was spicy. But yeah, like seriously, if you're in blue and you see this coming around late, because some people are like, oh, it's six mana. No, take this card. Have at least one in your blue deck. It's great. And then the funniest, hilarious deck of the most hilarious deck or card in any deck you could play is Villainous Wealth. X, black, green, blue. It's a sorcery, so it has X. What does X do? Well, target opponent exiles X cards of his or her library you may cast any number of non-land cards with converted mana cost X or less from among them without paying their mana costs.
0: Key X, I believe, is like 5 or 6. I
1: believe it was 5. Minimum, you wanted 5 to get the maximum amount of value of potentially hitting decent cards. If you could get 6 or greater, I cast a Villainous Wealth for 8, I think, at one point. I had a really grindy, salt-high deck. They just, it used some of the, the big butt creatures and stuff like that. Yep. And I had... I think I was actually playing a banner in the deck because of villainous, because of villainous wealth. I wanted a mana rock. Oh, well, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I wanted a mana rock for villainous wealth. Um, because it was my deck was just designed to churn through the deck, and I cast it for eight, and then my opponent was just like, "Yeah, no, you win." <laughs> I'm like, "But I want to see." It's like, "Okay, fine." Flipped it over. I would have just been. Dis- I would have hit like f- six creatures or something like three creatures, two spells, and like an enchantment or something like that. It was gross. Yep um but yeah this set is i know john we we went way over time but i don't care because i don't think we care we don't care at all like sorry you get a long episode this week because john and i just absolutely love this format so again it's going to be coming out of magic online on the the when the update happens on the 29th you know downtime it's going to run for a week until the 5th um unfortunately it's pax week i don't know if i'm going to stream it a whole lot um I actually, i say, yeah, hey, I'm going to get back and stream, get back and streaming. I'm finally getting settled in. It took a while, even past when I thought I'd be settled in. But I come back from PAX on the Thursday afternoon, on that Thursday on the 4th, and I have all afternoon to stream. So I'm probably going to stream at least on the 4th a bunch of cons if you're interested in that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, seriously, go draft this format. If you have never drafted it, I highly recommend it. If you've already drafted it and you listen to the show... Thanks for listening. You already knew a lot of stuff we were talking about.
0: <laughs> I will admit, for new drafters, it will be a little daunting at first. But
1: go back and watch. Like there are people who have videos of this. I know I have draft videos on YouTube from way back in the day. Like this was back when I streamed like all the time. I know yeah. I have videos that exist. People have draft videos of this. Go watch a draft. Just don't. You don't need to watch the games. Just watch. I think go one watch of the most
0: one of the, the most popular um, drafts I think LSV has ever done. Is he live streamed a draft, where he got three goblin slides?
1: Oh yeah, like he—that's the owned... entire
0: reason that LSV owns the original art for goblin
1: slides. Yeah, he owns. Yeah, he owns the art for it. It's gr- and it's 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 up there with his uh, oblivion ring video.
0: It's close. It's very close. I mean,
1: you br- you break the game client by looping three oblivion rings. You can't top that. I think it got three goblins. Sl- three goblin slides. It's pretty good. Yeah. though. and it- through time and a wrath. It was great. Oh, yeah, we didn't even touch Dig Through Time. Oh, and even uh, like a card that's limited in certain formats and banned in others. (laughs) Treasure Cruise.
0: Oh, Treasure Cruise.
1: We didn't mention Treasure Treasure Cruise. Cruise. Like, geez, there's so many good cards in this set. There's so many fun things to do. Just go look at the card spoiler or the card listing for it. Just have a blast. Go draft it. Even Even if you don't know anything about the set and you've just listened to us here, go dip your toes in the water the cards are really kind of there. We we touched on a lot of some of the hidden things. There's really not too much, you know, like sneaky to do.
0: Yeah, there's no spider spawning. There's no Rise of the Eldrazi where it's a completely div- vastly different draft format. Morph makes it a little weird, but it is it is one of the best draft formats in the modern era.
1: Yeah, because it doesn't have that kind of like, oh if you know if you're, you know, in franchise and know the format, you're just gonna be have a one up on everybody else. There's strong cards. There's weak cards. Just have fun and draft it. Play. Have fun playing the shell game with, uh, hey, is this more? Oh, we should mention with morphs. Well, on Magic don't Online, play, it automatically Well, You know what I'm saying? Don't play your best morph first.
0: Depending. Context Context is important. But yeah, context play your, depending. play your crappy morph first.
1: You okay. usually want to play like your best morph, like second or third. But yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of things. People have written articles on how to play morphs. They can do better than we do. Uh, but no seriously just go draft this I am so I love talking about this I could talk for another hour if I wanted to but I'm not going to
0: yeah it's it's getting late and we have to sleep at some point
1: (laughs) yeah oh my gosh it's already well yeah yeah
0: so Ian we're gonna call it if people wanted to find you on the social media where can they do so
1: you guys can find me on social media at on Twitter at Dixon IJ you can find me on uh, (laughs) Mastodon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's dicks dot or it's dicks at mastodon dot social. I'm I'm kidding. You don't need to find me on Mastodon if you want to go for it, whatever. And you find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dicks. Um, you guys can see me around in some magic chats and all that kind of stuff as well. John, where can they find you?
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That's jwiley129. I'm also on Twitch with the same handle. So if you see me in a chat room, don't hesitate to say hi. uh New job has been uh, a lot of work. Not a lot of free time for the most part, but i uh, have gotten a little bit of chance to play magic, some magic here and there, and I'm really excited to try to carve out some time to draft Konzotark here because, my God, that set is so much fun.
1: Oh, it's just um, insane. Have fun, kids.
0: <laughs> if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so in two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesonthemize at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.